welcome this morning. If you're just joining us today, we're so glad to have you. Welcome to Antioch West Virtual, July 31st, 2022. So glad you're here. If you're just jumping on, you missed a bunch of stuff in the beginning. I will mention one more thing really quickly here in case you missed it in the beginning. And that is we have an in-person gathering next Sunday at 10 a.m. at Maritime Conference Center uh, in Linthicum Heights, just near the airport at BWI, encouraging you to be a part of that. It starts at 10 a.m. And um, I'm encouraging everyone who's a part of Antioch West to do your best to be there uh, if you're an in-person member. If you're a virtual member, you can watch via Zoom. If you don't have the link, please reach out to us here. You can put your request here in the chat box of Facebook or YouTube, and you can receive the link so that you can be a part of uh, our in-person gathering. It is not streamed live here on YouTube and Facebook. The only way you can be a part of our in-person Sunday, uh, first Sunday gathering is to have the link that we will send to you. Um, and that's just what the Lord has kind of led me to do at this point. That's not because we're trying to be exclusive, but what we do in person on those Sundays is very specific to Antioch West. And uh, in an effort not to bring confusion to anyone else that may be listening, we only provide links for those who are wanting to be a part. So anyways, the Lord bless you. Um, and so glad you are joining us today. I'm going to be completely transparent with you from the very beginning here because I, I had this in my heart and spirit uh, last night and um, I was kind of wrestling with this all day. And I don't mean that to be dramatic, but uh, I could feel God talking to me yesterday about what I want to share with you today. And to be honest with you, there are some subjects that when God begins to deal with you about, there is an embracing of those because it's, 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 it's exciting. And this is an exciting subject to talk about on one standpoint, but I will be honest with you. Uh, there's going to be two type of people, two types of people today. There's some of you that are going to embrace this word. It's going to be encouraging. It's going to be challenging. It's going to help you where you are. It's going to uh, lift your spirits, even though it may not be quite appealing to your flesh, but your spirit's going to be blessed. But there's going to be some of you that are going to struggle greatly with what the Lord wants to talk about today and what I feel to share. In fact, you may not even make it to the end of the broadcast because you're not going to like what I have to say. And you might agree with me in principle because you might nod your head, but when you're when this is all said and done and you turn off your device and you go about your day, you will dismiss everything that's said because that's just not something right now you really want to deal with. You want to move on. Let's go do something else. And so I'm encouraging you today that you wouldn't listen to my words. And when you start to hear my subject, I'm going to, I, I can't see you. I don't, I, I don't see uh, those of you that are watching today, but I, I guarantee you that if I could see you, I would get some proverbial eye rolls when I, when you hear the subject that I'm going to talk about today. Uh, but I fully believe the Holy Ghost is speaking to us today, wants to help us and challenge us today. And I'm just asking you that if you would listen with your spiritual ears for those of you that are hungry the bible says to the hungry man every bitter thing is sweet and um i tell my kids all the time we my wife and i we have this thing uh the other night my son if you're a parent you've been there before but the other night my um my son was hungry and um he wanted what did he want okay what was the thing he really wanted the other night remember he had to have Oh, it's the Hawaiian roll sandwich, right? So uh, my we get these little, they're called Hawaiian, sweet Hawaiian rolls. You get them, we get ours at Walmart. They're little, small, they come in like a pack of 12 or 24. And my son will devour those. He eats them like they're manna from heaven. And so the other night, he was a little slow to get the last few in the package. And his sister, in her defense, um... She didn't purposely take the last ones to spite him. She wanted him, them, and she was 
the first partakers of the fruit. So he came down to get the last of the package. And when he discovered that they were all gone, all devastation hit him in his heart. I mean, you would have actually thought we would just have taken away his most prized possession because his 10-year-old world was devastated because he was missing these sweet Hawaiian rolls. And so it was 9.30 or something at night. And to be honest with you, I didn't feel like going out to the store. Maybe I should have been a good parent and gone and got it. I just didn't feel like going to the store and go getting and spending $42 in gas. You'll get more sweet Hawaiian rolls. And so he says, I'm hungry. I'm hungry. And we're like, okay. And so my wife started going down the list of things that we had available to him. They weren't sweet Hawaiian rolls, but there was a plethora of other options available to him that we had. And with every option given to him, his reply back was no, 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 no. And it always came back to one thing. I'd like sweet Hawaiian rolls. So eventually we came to the conclusion, son, you're not hungry. How do we know we're not, you're not hungry? Because when you're hungry... You're willing to eat anything. If you're truly hungry, you're not picky. If you're truly hungry, you'll eat whatever is available to you. So I say today, the Bible says to the hungry man, every bitter thing is sweet. When you're truly hungry, there is no word that God speaks that you reject because when you're hungry, anything God's speaking to you, you receive. So I'm encouraging those of you today that are hungry to receive this with an open heart. Even though some things may not be what you want to hear, but through the help of God. There is a, um, I don't want to be as strong. We use this word. It's become a, 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 a word that has now become very familiar to our vocabulary. And I hesitate to use it, but I'm trying to think of another way to describe uh, the condition we find ourselves in. But uh, we are in, we, we, we have, we have, we have an epidemic of, uh, of sorts that has taken place very subtly um, in the psyche of most believers. Now, again, I know the word epidemic is something that is very much a, a, a sore spot for most of us because we've lived for the last two years dealing with the effects and the fallout of an epidemic. And so I hesitate to use that word, but I'm trying to, uh, I'm trying to speak of the magnitude of what uh, I feel in my spirit, the Lord showing me. But we have an epidemic that has entered into the minds of believers over the last, uh, I'd say, couple of decades, probably, but really prevalent over the last 15, 10, 15 years. And the epidemic stems around one basic concept, and that is we have slowly and very strategically, I believe, through the work of the adversary, because he is subtle, we have lost sight of the eternal. I watch everyday believers who confess to know Jesus Christ, confess to walk with Jesus Christ, be consumed with a temporal mind. That their prayer time, their entire world, their entire viewpoint is based in temporal things. And because of that, everything they read in scripture is skewed towards this life. And if you listen to the narrative, again, of most modern day teachings that are uh, ascribed to be Christian-based teachings, if you would listen to those teachings, you would find that most of them have a similar theme to them. And it's things like have your best life now or, or how to prosper, how to become the best version of you and all these things that really have to do with you and have to do with the here and have to do with the now. And very rarely, if at all, you hear of the life to come. We don't talk about heaven barely at all. And if we're not going to talk about heaven, burial at all, we certainly aren't even going to touch the subject of hell. In fact, for most people, hell has become a mythical place. A hell is a, is, is as mythical to us as 
any film that we see on uh, on on in on the theaters or on on TV where it's based in a mythical world. We have we've turned hell into a Marvel movie. We 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 don't really think it's real. We hear about it, and there's there's aspects of it that are that are frightening, but we just we just we just have put it out of our minds. And because if we're not going to talk about heaven, we're not going to talk about hell. And so, because of that, we become consumed with the here and with the now. And and Peter uses things like life is but a vapor. There is a powerful image, and I did not have time today to find it and i'm not sure that on this screen or the device you're watching it will do justice but there was a spacecraft years ago i believe it was Kissimmee. i don't remember if that's the right word i may be wrong i thought it was Kissimmee. it was a it was a it was a spacecraft that we sent out into the outer reaches of our solar system to do some kind of i don't know where it was going i think it was going to saturn i don't know where it was going it was going to one of the farther planets in our solar system. And one of the minds at NASA convinced the operators of this, uh, this, this spacecraft, this, this, this scientific instrument to, to turn the spacecraft briefly back to earth and to take a picture of earth. I believe it was, I believe it was, it was going to Saturn or was at Saturn when this happened. If, I think it was Kissimmee, if I'm correct on that. I may be wrong, but I think I'm close. And so they positioned the satellite, this this instrument, to instead of focusing on the planet it was meant to be, it turned around and it took a picture of Earth. And the picture is quite staggering because it really is a picture of black, of nothing. And in one tiny little space, it looks like a, if you look at the picture, and that's why I didn't really even bother to put it up here because it really doesn't do it justice. But if you look at the picture, it's black and there's one little speck and it looks like there was something maybe on the lens or some kind of dust. But in reality, that speck was earth from the perspective of that planet looking back. And it's really a telling um, image because in the reality we are consumed by our daily lives. We're consumed by survival. We're inundated right now, inundated right now with worries of inflation, with rising prices of gas, with food, with paying, just trying to survive and pay our bills and just trying to navigate the craziness of our world. And, and you know, you go to, it's a, it's crazy. And maybe you don't have this feeling, but when you go to Walmart or you go to a, a restaurant or you go to uh, 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 any kind of store, there's something in the back of your mind that that you're looking and making sure you know your surroundings in case there's an exit nearby because you don't know if you're going to be in the store when someone comes in and opens up gunfire. That's the world we live in. I, I, this wasn't too long ago. We were in the gas station and my wife and daughter had to use the restroom. My son was getting something to drink. My daughter, the other daughter was parked right in front of the door and she, we left her in the car. She was my oldest in case we did not leave a, an infant in case you're wondering. She's 15. She's more than capable of sitting in the car by herself. And she was also in the front so we could see her, but she was sitting in the car. My wife had gone to the restroom. My son was getting something to drink and there was a, a an individual. I'm not, I'm not judging it's just reality he comes in there was a man comes in he's wearing a hoodie it's it's pulled up over his head he's walking with his head down he's in a hoodie he's got one hand in his pocket and the other hand is up underneath of his hood and it is tucked into the top of his pants and when I saw him coming, he was kind of walking with a brisk pace coming towards the door. My immediate reaction, and maybe I shouldn't, maybe, maybe I should have just said, Lord, I trust you into my, into, into your hands. I commit my, I don't know. Maybe I, I don't know. Don't judge me. But my immediate reaction was I began to instinctively position myself to be in a spot because the moment I saw his hand, and his hood and his hand tucked up. It wasn't like he was he had his hand in his pocket. He had his hand up underneath the sweatshirt in the top of his um, pants, and it was covered so you couldn't see what was what was where his hand was, but you could tell where it was positioned. And I, my instinct was, he's got a gun. 
And um, the place where we're at, the gas station, the, the Rite Aid right across the street from the gas station we're at has been robbed at gunpoint. So it was a very... It was a very, uh, uh, the, the, the situation and the area we live in was ripe for that kind of activity. And instinctively, uh, I began to position my son behind me. I grabbed him and I positioned myself so I could see my daughter in the car. I could see uh, the, the door to the restroom because when I'm, I'm, I'm doing all this in probably three or four seconds. And... Um, I'm positioning myself so when my wife opens the door to the restroom, I can signal for her to go back in the restroom and lock the door. My son, I was grabbing him and pushing him behind me and starting to back up towards the back of the store as I was instinctively looking for an exit out the back because I figured he's going to be distracted for a moment with the clerk or whoever he's in there to do. It'll give him and I a second to get out. My wife will be locked in the bathroom. She'll be safe. My daughter's in the car. We, I can swing back around, get in the car. Literally, this happened in four or five seconds. Now, maybe you call me paranoid. Maybe you think, wow, you just need to get a grip on life. I just think that's the world we live in. That's the reality of the world we live in. I don't think we should live in fear. I leave my house. I go to stores. Um, now, I tell you what, I'm led of the Lord. We've been in stores where something just changed automatically, and we just we literally had four, five, ten things in our cart. We put it all back and walked out. And, uh, um, you know, we didn't get home and hear the news. We, I don't know if the Lord was just training us for what's to come. Because I'm telling you right now, if you don't learn to walk with Jesus in this world, you're going to find yourself in some crazy situations. But it's the reality we live in. And so for us, we're consumed with survival half the time. And then we're caught with this other side because we have survival on one end, but then we have this other world of prosperity, of abundance that we're striving to live in. The Instagram, social media world of abundance, of of vacations and pleasure and things and all this stuff that pulling in. Some of you get to experience that more than others, but it's a pull we all have. And so for some, all of us, we live between these two worlds of survival and pleasure and, and excess. And it's insane to me how many storage units are built in our country. You can't drive more than five minutes without passing a storage unit. And storage units aren't three or four little rooms. They're, they're sometimes hundreds of rooms. Because we have so much stuff, we need extra space to store that stuff. And that's just the reality we live in. Now, I'm not here to talk about that today. I'm here to say that our perspective is not a biblical one. It's not aligned with what Jesus came to give. So Nicodemus, who was a Jewish leader, came to Jesus. And this is a very familiar passage of scripture to a lot of us. He comes to Jesus at night and he says to him, listen, you're, you, we know your rabbi, your teacher, help me understand some things. And this is Jesus's reply. This is John chapter three, verse three, in case you want to follow along. Jesus answered to him and said, most assuredly, I say unto you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water, and a spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Notice there was two things there. There was seeing and entering. There's two aspects of the kingdom of God. There is aspect of the kingdom of God that is a that that takes place here. We are that we gave the keys to the kingdom. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. There's a kingdom aspect of God, God's God's heavenly kingdom being made manifest on earth. But that second aspect of entering into the kingdom, that wasn't just talking about an entrance into the kingdom here on earth. That's talking about being admitted into a heavenly kingdom. When you come to Jesus Christ, and the only way, can I tell you this this today? You may not agree, and I don't have time to go through all this, but there's only one entrance into the kingdom of God. There's not multiple choice questions. There's not many doors. There's one door, and that door was given to us in this verse by Jesus Christ. It is a door that has two locks to it. One lock is unlocked 
by being born of water and the other lock is unlocked by being born of the spirit. If you only have one without the other, you cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. You got to have both locks undone. Right over here to my left, I have a door that leads to the outside. It has a deadbolt and a normal handle. Both of them lock. I can unlock the deadbolt, but if the bottom is still locked, you can't get in. I can unlock the bottom one and the door will, 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 will operate, but you can't enter if the deadbolt is locked. Both have to be unlocked for the door to open. If you've only had experience of birth of water, and that's when he said birth of the water, he was not talking about a natural birth because Nicodemus asked him, do I enter into the second time of my mother's womb? If he was talking, a lot of people say, well, he was talking about the water birth of being born of your mother. Jesus had an opportunity right there to correct that. He could have said, you're right, Nicodemus. I'm talking about natural birth and spiritual birth. No, no, no. He said, do I have to get into my mother's womb a second time? He said, no, 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 no. You're thinking naturally. I'm talking about spiritually. To be born of water and the spirit, you cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. So water is not talking about a natural birth. It's talking about a spiritual birth that takes place. And the only place we find in scripture you can be born of water is through baptism. Baptism is the only place. And baptism is given to us in numerous places in scripture. I don't have time to go through that. That's another Bible study for another day. But baptism. And there's only one name according to Acts chapter 4 verse number 12. There's only one name that brings salvation. There's only one name brings redemption. There's only one name in heaven and earth whereby we must be saved. And that is the name of Jesus. So it's not only being born of water, but it's born of water with the name that brings authority and power and life. And that is the name of Jesus. Again, another subject, another day. The second aspect of that birth is the birth of spirit. And we know further because, and again, I'm not going into this today, but John chapter 3, verse 8, three verses later, Jesus gives us the description of what it means to be born, to be born of the spirit. And that is the spirit comes, it blows, you hear a sound. That word sound there in verse number 8 is the word phonics where we get phoneo, which we get the word phonics, which is syllables. So when the Spirit comes, it produces a sound in us that sound like syllables. And Jesus said, this is a sign of everyone that is born of the Spirit. Now, when this happens later on in Acts chapter 2, just like Jesus promised, that's not where I want to go today. The point is, is that this is to get you into the kingdom. But when you enter into the kingdom, your mindset changes because God's mind is not built from earth to heaven. God lives from heaven to earth. Think about it. We're on earth. We're looking at heaven and it seems far off. But don't forget, the Bible says God calls the end from the beginning. I'm going to talk about this down the road a little bit as I, the Lord continues to give me revelation. But Ephesians chapter 1 talks about that he, he predestined us. He chose us and predestined us from for the foundations of the world. Meaning God doesn't have a past. He doesn't have a present. He doesn't have a future. God resides in all places so god is already living in your future even though you're only in your present he's already there so god does not work from beginning to end he works from end to beginning so when god looks at your life he does not look at it from an earthly perspective that's why in some ways there's some pain in your life that god never deals with why because he's not looking at it from an earthly perspective earthly says fix all my problems make me feel good take away all my problems all my difficulties all my pain but god doesn't see it that way he sees from heaven to earth in fact that's why when he told the disciples to pray notice how he asked told them to pray he did not tell them to pray from an earthly mentality he told them to pray from a heavenly mentality our father which art in heaven Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is where? In heaven. This was saying to them, listen, if you're going to pray, you're going to have to pray with the right perspective. We pray from earth to heaven. We pray to God as we're informing him, like we're informants. Oh, by the way, God, let me go down the list of all the stuff that's happening in case you're forgetting. I've got this problem, this problem, this is going on, the world's this, the world's that, but he told the disciples, listen, if you're going to pray the way I'm teaching you to pray, here's the first thing you've got to understand about prayer. Don't pray from earth to heaven. Pray from heaven to earth. Now, i got to be frank with you. If you pray from heaven to earth, you're, there's some things that are going to be X'd off your prayer list right away. 
But you see, when it's all about my life now, there's a, there's a problem we have. When I grew, grew up, uh, I grew up in church, in case, some of you, most of you know that, but in case you don't know my story, I grew up in church. My parents were the founders and pastors of the church that we're a part of here, and so I grew up in church. I, my first, my, my, my earliest memories revolve around church. I was in church. I grew up in church. But I remember, and a lot of you are part of Antioch West, you have been around for a long time. There are songs we used to sing that if you listen to the way modern Christian music is written, they don't write about the same stuff now as they did back then. If you go all the way back into the, uh, into the, the, the dark days of our country, uh, of slavery, and if you go back and you dig through some of the, 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 the spirituals that were written by those who were enslaved in this country, and they had no hope. They had no, they, 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 they had nothing to look forward to except God, and they became very dependent upon God, and their hope rested in Him. And you listen to the songs that they wrote that came out of the fields that they were working in. It wasn't about, man, make my life great now. Oh, this is going to be great. It was songs about the hope that was coming because they had no hope in this life. In fact, let me read it to you. Romans chapter 8 says this, verse 22, For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth, birth pangs together until now. Not only that, but we also have the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. For we are saved in this hope. But here's the key. But hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly await for it with perseverance. That word perseverance says to me, there's going to be some hills I've got to climb. There's going to be some mountains in front of me. There's going to be some valleys I've got to go through. There's going to be some rivers I've got to cross. And there's going to be some days I don't feel like going on. There's going to be some days where I want to quit and give up and I've got to persevere. I've got to find something deep down inside of me that keeps me motivated to keep going when I want to quit and give up. Forgive me this morning to getting a little passionate, but you're just going to have to deal with my passion today and if it if it bothers you, you just there's there's other things you can watch. Go watch the news. When I start to look at that, there's going to be times in life that it's difficult. Yes, it's going to, it's, there's going to be, forgive my language and kids, if you're watching, don't use this language, but let's just call it what it is. There are times where my life is going to stink. It's going to stink. I'm not going to like it. There's going to be pain and problems and difficulty and, and issues and hurt. And I'm going to be dealing with all kinds of junk. And he said, you're going to be times where you're going to persevere. How do I keep going when I don't want to keep going? He said, you got to hope in things you cannot see. Well, let's be frank. I can see a lot of stuff here. And if everything God did for me here is manifested, then I can see it. So therefore, there's nothing in this life that can bring me hope. And there's nothing that God can give me in this life that gives me hope. Because the true hope comes in what I cannot see. And what is the one thing I cannot see? I cannot see the promise future. I cannot see that eternal home that he promised me. I cannot see what is ahead of me in that blessed home, that new Jerusalem. I can read about it, but I haven't seen it. So when I was growing up, we would sing songs like, when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all See Jesus, we will sing and shout the victory. When we all see Jesus, that's the goal, right? When we all get to heaven, man, what a day. What a day of rejoicing that will be. You know what? There's going to be a lot of hugging, a lot of high fives, and a lot of giving God praise because we persevered. We climbed mountains we didn't think we could climb. We crossed valleys that we thought were too deep. We crossed rivers and rapids that looked like they were certain death. But we kept going because we believed that greater is He that is in me than he that is in the world. And we had a hope. And when we get there, when we get there, when we get there, when we all get to heaven, 
We used to sing songs like, soon and very soon, we are gonna see the king. Soon and very soon, we are gonna see the king. Soon and very soon, we are gonna see the king. Hallelujah, hallelujah, we're gonna see the king. Then we'd sing it like this, no more crying there. We are going to see the king. You see, there was something that would come out of that that you would start to look, okay, you know what? Life may stink right now. I may be going through difficulty and problems and pressure and, and frustration and I may want to quit and give up. But there's something in me that won't allow me to give up and that is one day Jesus is going to call my name. We used to sing songs One of my favorite. I still love this song. What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see when I look upon his face the one who saved me by his grace when he takes me by the hand and leads me to the promised land what a day Glorious day that will be. Forgive me for a second. You can just turn me off for a second. I just got to sing it. What a day that will be. When my Jesus I shall see. Oh, when I look upon his face. The one who saved me by his grace. When he takes me by the hand. And leads me to the promised land. What a day. Glorious day that will be. I don't know. Forgive me. This has been a while since I said. Hold on just one second. This is why I love having a computer in front of me. Uh, let me. Let me look this up. Because I want to make sure I get it right. Because these are powerful. There'll be no sorrow there. There'll be no burdens to bear. No more sickness and no more pain. No more parting over there. Forever I will be with the one who died for me. What a day, glorious day that will be. I love that song because you know what it says? It says this. There'll be no sorrow there, meaning I'm going to have sorrow here. There's going to be no more burdens I've got to bear, but I'm going to have some burdens here. There's going to be no more sickness and no more pain. Where? There. Which means I'm going to have sickness and I'm going to have pain here. Why would God promise a time, a place of no sickness and no pain if he's going to make it here? He's not trying to make this heaven. You've got a promise of heaven, which means on this earth, you're going to have sorrow. You're going to have burdens. You're going to have sickness. You're going to have pain. And oh, the one that probably hurts for some of us the most, no more parting. Yeah, you know what? I, I, I watch. I have not lost a, an intimate family member. But I, I, several years ago, my wife's father died. I watched her walk that journey. But you know what? I watched the thing that brought her the most hope. Well, she knew that wasn't the end of the story. Now, I understand that's a sensitive subject because some of you may have lost loved ones that you don't know where their eternal salvation is. But the Bible doesn't say we're all going to live forever. There's no more partying. So I can sing that song. What a day it's going to be when my Jesus I will see. Because you know what? This world is an old song we used to sing. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up where somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door. And here's the line, right? I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Can I tell you something? I'm glad if you look over here on the side, we have, we have words that say home. Welcome to our home. I think the pillow behind me actually has, you know, it does. Look, we, we love, we love home, home. It's so good to be home, but can I be frank with you? My wife is laughing at me. Can I be honest with you? Oh, I got to make sure this looks good. It's on camera. 
Can I be honest with you? Stop trying to make this world your home. That's the, that's the fallacy of the American dream. We all want the American dream. The house in the suburbs, the cars in the driveway, and all the fixings and things that go with that. And so we want God to give us that. And he said, you know what? This world is not my home. And I know I'm telling you something and most of you are going to dismiss it. But I'm going to have to stand in judgment. You and I are going to have to stand in judgment with our brothers and sisters and the villages of Africa that this morning they got up at the crack of dawn and put on whatever shoes they had, some old beat out pieces of leather that they strapped to their feet and they walked mile after mile after mile after mile on dirt roads to get to a little tin building so they could stand with other brothers and sisters and lift up their hands and say, God, you're good, so they could go back their three, four, five mile journey to their little mud hut in their little village and just keep going and they're giving God thanks. And you and I are going to sit there and we're going to ask God, God, make it good, God. God, make everything. And we're going to have to stand in judgment because we're sitting here complaining about our life. And I know for some of you dismissing go, well, of course, you know, that's, 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 we don't want to think that way, but let's be frank. I'm going to have to stand in judgment next to a, Job, to a Job who lost everything. You see, the Bible says in John chapter 16, he said, in this world you shall have tribulation, pain, problem, treasure. But here is the kicker. He said, be of good cheer. Why? I've overcome the world. I've overcome the world. Meaning, it's not saying you're going to overcome the world. I've overcome the world. But where is he? He's already sitting in heaven at the right hand of the Father. So his overcoming the world was he got out of this world, even though his spirit went back to reside in us in this world. For you and I, the overcoming may not happen in this world. That's why the scripture says in Hebrews chapter 11, these all died in faith. What? Having not received the promise, meaning they died without seeing what they were believing for. They died with questions. They died with problems, with hurt, with difficulty. But what does the scripture say? And I, I let me look, let me read it to you real quick. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 16. But now they desire a better, that is a heavenly country. Therefore, it is not a shame to be called their God. He has prepared a city for them. Meaning they died not having received the promise, but they could keep going because they knew this isn't the end of the story. We're so temporally minded. We're so consumed by this life. Can I tell you this today? Heaven is real. Hell is real. And eternity is forever. I know in our 2022 modern ideology, our consumerism lifestyles, A, we don't want to hear it. And B, we don't really believe that. But heaven is real. Your soul is going to spend eternity in heaven or hell. Is God loving? Absolutely. Is he just? Absolutely. Is he kind? Yes. Does he love us? Yes. He died for us. Yes. But I got to be honest with you. We've We've, the Bible says very, very specifically that the way that leads to eternal life is narrow and the gate is straight. Wide is the way and broad is the great gate that leads to destruction. We flip that in our world today because to get to heaven, the way is wide and the gate is enormous. To be lost, it's a little narrow path and a little tiny hole at the end of that path. Because nowadays, everybody goes. Because how could God ever send anybody to hell? What, God would never do that. I mean, come on, they were a good person. They opened doors for little old ladies. They gave money to the person standing at the, the light. They gave a dollar here. They, they didn't pay their taxes. They, they, they were kind to people. Of course they made it. How could God ever reject them? It's simple. He had one door on an ark. 
not multiple entrances. And Jesus said very specifically, I'm the door. I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. Nobody comes to the Father but by me. I'm sorry to tell you this, not everybody's going to make it. And I know this is not popular. I can tell, man, my popularity is just zooming today. Well, forgive me today if I'm offending you because I'm telling you the truth. I'm trying to get somebody who's hungry today, but you're being pulled in directions of this world and you're letting you be consumed by, by, by the lust of everything in this world trying to pull you into something. And God's going, wait a minute. I, I didn't birth you into the kingdom for you to become the best version of you on this earth. I bet you birthed you in the kingdom because you're supposed to be a part of a heavenly kingdom. This is how serious Jesus is about all this. Matthew chapter 18. Listen to how serious Jesus is about this. Verse number six. But whosoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he drowned in the depth of the sea. Wow. But here's what he says. Woe to the world because of an offense. Now watch this. For offenses must come. But woe to that man by whom the offenses come. Did you hear what Jesus... You know what one of the last signs of the, of, of the end time? The Bible says there's going to be wars, famines, earthquakes. And so, man, if you go online right now and you Google things, man, people chart all the earthquakes. Yeah, there's charts out there. People who are looking for the sign of the coming of Jesus Christ. They got charts of earthquakes. I got to be honest with you, not to be skeptical. I don't think there's any more earthquakes now than there was years ago. We just had better instruments to pick it up. Every time there's a natural disaster, everyone's like, it's a sign of the time. Wars. Russia invading Ukraine. China threatening to shoot down a U.S. diplomat. Oh, this is certainly the sign. It's wars and rumors of wars. I know it. But you know what the Bible says? And to me, if you really want to know where we're living, this is the thing the Bible says. In the end, many will be offended. It is staggering to me how many people are offended. You can't say something to anybody. You can't look at anybody without offending them. Listen, I'm not excusing someone being a jerk. I'm not excusing someone mistreating someone because of their color of their skin, their gender, uh, their cultural background. None of that should be tolerated. Every man should be treated equally. And I use man, not gender specific. Of, I'm using that as a terminology of mankind. Whether you're a woman or a man, whether you're rich or poor, whether you're black, white, Asian, whatever color you are, we should all be treated with dignity and respect with the love of Jesus Christ. Can I tell you this, not to be not, not to knock you, but heaven will not be segregated to your own groups. So if you don't like worshiping with everybody down here, I'm going to let you know you probably don't want to be in heaven because you might be standing next to somebody that doesn't look like you, doesn't come from your place. So if you want to go to a church where everybody looks like you, I don't know who I'm going to. I'm probably just, oh, Jesus, I'm glad I'm not looking at the uh, YouTube and Facebook. They're probably going to kick me off here in a minute. If you only want to go to places where people look like you, Act like you come from your 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 uh, 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 demographic. I would suggest you probably shouldn't bother going to heaven, because the Bible says every tribe and every tongue, every group that's going to come is going to be represented in heaven. What an amazing sight that's going to be! But. It is staggering to me the, the, the amount of people that are offended. And nowadays, how easily people are offended. And the Bible says one of the signs of the last time is people being easily offended. And again, I'm not excusing bad behavior or improper behavior. But I'm talking about the fact is 
there is a fence that runs rampant. And I would say that it would be one thing if it was only in our world, but it's amazing those of you that confess to be Christians, and I'm going to get on it right now, and you're going to not like it, but you need to hear the truth. It's amazing how many of you who are Christians, who profess to know Jesus Christ, who profess to love him, who profess to want to go to heaven, how many of you are carrying junk around in your heart, offended? Offended. We've literally had people who have told us they don't want to go to certain groups because they don't want to go to groups with certain people. They've told us that. Well, I don't want to go to that group because so-and-so is there. Oh, I, I'm sorry. Uh, forgive me here. Um, let me go look at the scripture where God gives you. Therefore, my beloved, you can enter the kingdom of heaven and have a choice of who you like to hang out with. No. Can I tell you this? And I'm going to say this to you. You need to... Forgive and move on. You don't know what they did. You know what? Is it any worse than what they did to Jesus? Take your clothes off. Let's see your back. Is it plowed? Leave your hands up today. Do you have nail scars? Pull up your shirt. You have a, where they, they stab you in your side? Is your heart broken because it was weighted down and you sweat drops of blood? Um, do you have crown the thorns on your head? Was your face so disfigured that your own mother doesn't even recognize you? Until someone does that to you, you have no right. Because if Jesus Christ could look down at his accusers and his abusers and say, Father, forgive them. What right do you and I have? And you know what's funny? He didn't do anything. At all. But he being our example. And here's where it says. This is what he said. This is the. This is how much Jesus was trying to get across. He said listen. Woe to the world because of offenses. For offenses must come. Meaning I got to be frank with you. If you're wanting a world. And I'm, I look. We need to treat one another better. Yeah I get all that. But there's going to be a point in time. Where it's, offenses are a part of the fabric of life. Because there's no better way to show that I'm Christ-like to be able to forgive someone who wrongs me. There's no better way to show that I, I want to be like Jesus than offend those who do me wrong. And offend those who treat me differently because of who I am or what I am. I'm sorry, we cannot isolate so much and get rid of things that we remove offense. Jesus said offenses must come. They don't have, they don't, they won't, he didn't say they will come. He said they must come. But here's how he, how he dealt with this. He said, listen, this is the next phrase. He goes, if your hand or foot causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you. It is better for you to enter into life lame or maimed rather than having two hands and two feet to be cast in everlasting fire. If your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you. It is better for you to enter into life with one eye than rather having two eyes and cast into hellfire. Eternity is so real and hell is so frightening that Jesus Christ said, listen, the creator, the one who created you, the one who framed you, the one who knew you in your mother's womb said, listen, it would be better off for you to cut off your hand, to pluck out your eye, to chop off your foot. If that's what's necessary, that you don't end up lost, than to go into hell with two hands and two feet and two eyes. So you know what that's saying in context of the scripture that comes before it? There is no offense, no matter how justified you might feel today, that is worth holding on to. Can I ask you this? The Bible says, what profit a man if he gained the whole world but lose his soul? Right now, if you had your dreams fulfilled on this earth, you got the job you wanted. You got the spouse you wanted. You got the kids you wanted. You got the, the car you wanted. You got the, the vacations you wanted and all that. But it cost you your soul. Would it be worth it? But if I told you right now, listen. Hey. You're going to struggle. You're not, you're going to have some pain and some difficulty. You're going to have to some months. You don't know if you're going to be able to pay your bills. You're not going to have money to go on vacations like others. But here, listen, 
if you would endure, you're going to end up eternal in, in eternity with me in heaven forever. Would it be worth it? Would it be worth it? You see, we're striving for things that if we got them, they may cost us our soul. I've watched people who have prayed for a child and God gave them a child, but that child became their God. And today, that child is more important to them than God. And so what was given to them of his blessing has become a curse. I've seen people who wanted a job and God opened the door for a job, but that job has become more important than God. And that job is going to cost a soul. You're better off staying where you are and not making a penny more for the rest of your life than making all the money you can and end up lost. Eternity is forever, my friend. Eternity never goes away. You don't get a second chance. For some reason, when I was a child, I don't know, when I was a teenager, I know sometimes we, uh, there's a lot of people that carry, you know, some stigma because they felt like they were abused emotionally, mentally, because of heaven or hell talk. And I don't believe we should talk about heaven or hell as a weapon I don't believe heaven or hell. You know, we talk about old fire and brimstone preaching. If you don't do that, you're going to go to hell. Hell's not a weapon. Hell's a warning. Heaven's not a, a threat. It's a reward. I don't want to use hell as a weapon and heaven as a threat. But I want you to understand that there's a reality to all this. This isn't heaven. God's never going to make it heaven. It's the reality of this. And the soberness of what we're dealing with. That in reality, the 60, 70, 80, 90 years, if we live that long or 100 of our life in reality to the expanse of eternity is nothing. Nothing. And I don't know what it was. I, when I was a kid... We, we 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 were exposed a lot more when I was growing up to the thought of heaven or hell. And, and I know sometimes it might have been a little to some scarring. But the Bible does say that some are saved by fear. You know, there are some things with my kids I warn them over. And it's not like, hey, now guys, listen, daddy loves you so much. I don't want you to touch the stove because it might burn you. There are times I'm like, don't touch the stove because it will, I mean, there's, stop, don't run to the stove, go in the street, there's a car. Sorry, it's not always, Noah, oh, Noah, I don't want to offend you, buddy, and daddy loves you very much, and I don't want to hurt your feelings, but would you not run in front of the car? Because the car is very big and you're very small and that car may smash you like a pancake. But I love you. I don't do that. Maybe I should. And if you parent like that, God bless you. Write a book and teach us all how to do it. But for the rest of us as parents, when our kids run in for a moving car, we go, stop! Is that because we're threatening? No, because we see the peril. The, the, we see the peril that's in front of them. We see the death. We see the destruction. We see what's going to happen. We see at worst you're going to end up in the hospital and you may never walk again. I mean, at best you may end up in the hospital and never walk again. At worst you may die and may never see you again because there's a threat in front of you. So forgive me that I don't try to just say it gently. Now, buddy, please don't run in front of the car. Daddy loves you. Now, I might sit with him and say, listen, if you're going to go outside, just make sure you look. There's cars. Pay attention. I, I do it that way. But in the moment, 
When he's there and he's going after the ball that rolled in the street and he's just focused on the moment of getting back his ball so he can keep playing his game and he doesn't see the dumb teenager, forgive me for saying it that way, the dumb teenager speeding down our street because they just learned how to drive and they're blasting their music and they're tick-tocking it while they're driving and they're driving down the street and they don't see my son with a ball because they're too caught up in their world. Forgive me that I don't say, buddy... Just be careful. I say, Noah! I can see that right now in my spirit today. And I know most of you have turned me off and that's okay. But somebody that has dug has stayed with me this long. I'm telling you in the spirit, I'm telling you, stop! Because you're going out in the street to get a ball and you think it's not a big deal. It's just a ball in the street. But in my spirit, I see a car that's coming for you that you can't see. And I'm telling you, you need to get back on the safety of the sidewalk. Here's what I'm trying to say today. Listen to what the Holy Ghost is trying to say. And if that offends you, I'd rather offend you trying to save you than love you to hell. God is faithful. God is kind. God is just. God is loving. God is merciful. His, His patience and mercy to me is absolutely staggering. I have messed up. I mess up so much. It's amazing. It's amazing. I've used more blood than Calvary than half of you have. I'm not sitting here today judging someone because I sit here in my ivory tower of perfection. I'm sitting here today because I, the Bible says he's unwilling that any should perish, but that all, all. Can I tell you, some of you, you're asking God to, to answer prayers. He will not because if he answered those prayers, it would be a destruction to you. So can I tell you this? Stop praying because he's not going to fix it. But God's able. No, he is able, but he's not going to do it to the detriment of your soul. Some of you, praying God's going to heal, change the situation. He's not going to do it because your salvation means more to him than your comfort. There's a world outside that's going to hell and you and I are facing that reality every day. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to say this, and I don't mean this judgment. I just believe what that book says, and that book is very specific. And I'm sorry you don't believe it this way, but that book is very specific. There's one way to heaven. There's not multiple choice, and not everybody who dies goes to heaven. But I pray today somehow, somehow. By the mercy and grace of Jesus Christ. That if you have not tuned me out yet, that the Spirit of God has talked to you today, somehow, some way. I have not been upset. I've not been mad. I've not been judgmental. I've tried to be passionate because I believe what the Lord has put in my heart. He's trying to help somebody. He's trying to help you. He's trying to encourage you. He's trying to challenge you. He's trying to get you to see things how he sees them. Some of you don't like this because you don't want to give up your life. You don't want to give up your ways. You don't want to turn. You, you want things your way, how you want them. You want, to, you want your achievements, your money, your pleasure. And to you, you want your cake and eat it too. And I'm sorry for that. But the reality is I want to be saved. There's a song I used to sing. It was a, we sang it as a, when I was a kid growing up. I still sing it now. It's a very simple song, but it's probably one of the most most transparent and truthful songs you can sing is very simple and it says for above all else I must be saved for above all else I must be saved so whatever you have to do to me don't let me be lost for eternity for above all else 
I must be saved. For above all else, I must be saved. For above all else, I must be saved. Oh, so whatever you have to do to me, don't let me be lost for eternity. For above all else, I must be saved. I hope to God today that's your prayer. I hope that's your prayer. I hope that's the desire of your heart. God, whatever you've got to do to me, whatever you have to do, even though I don't like it, I may not want it. It may be something that will be hard and and uncomfortable and not appealing to my flesh. But whatever you've got to do to me, don't let me be lost for eternity. I pray today that's your prayer. I pray today that's the desire of your heart. Because ultimately in my desire And my desire for you is that we all hear those words spoken. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. I want to make it to heaven. I have come too far to come this far. I'm not quitting now. I'm going to make it to heaven. And God, I'm telling you, I'm giving you a blank check. Whatever you've got to do to help me get there. Whatever you've got to do, whatever you've got to take, whatever you've got to break. I want to make it to heaven. That's my prayer today. And I hope today that's your prayer too in Jesus' name.